This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Well, good morning, Celebration Church. Welcome to our Appleton and Stevens Point campus, and of course, those that are joining us online here as well. By the way, Next Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday, and we're going to have a wonderful uh, um, video with some of the testimonies. Don't hold it against us because of Kirk Cousins being on that uh, video, even though he's from the Vikings. We don't hold that against us. It'll still be a wonderful uh, uh, opportunity to just hear what God has to say through that. Would you go ahead and stand here at the Green Bay campus and our other campuses as well as we together recite the Apostles' Creed? Welcome. Good to have you here with us. Celebration Church Green Bay, would you give a hand to the Celebration Church in Appleton and Stevens Point? Would you do that just to welcome them as well? Part of our family. And now let's join together as we declare the Apostles' Creed, our statement of faith here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Aloha and greetings from Hawaii. We are now on the island of Kauai, and uh, our trip is now coming to an end. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be arriving uh, tomorrow night at uh, 9.30, I think someone said there's supposed to be a blizzard or something coming. Maybe we won't even make it no. home. I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to go br- brutal from this background to, uh, to where home is. But it'll always be good to be home. Yes. Be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. Anyway, we've had four events here. It's been really fabulous. It's been a good time, obviously, to avoid the incredibly miserable cold. But we're going to catch up with y'all tomorrow and we'll be baptized <laughs> in all the misery very quickly. Yeah. So uh, uh, this morning, my son Philip is going to be presenting the word. Very proud of that boy. Yes. He's done very, very well and is growing in his faith and his confidence. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing from him today. So open your hearts and receive from him. And, uh, and we're looking forward to seeing you all soon. I doubt I'll be wearing my Hawaiian shirt at that point. <laughs> Boy, if that doesn't scream tourist, guess where I'm from? I'm not from around here. You can always tell nobody on this island actually wears shirts like this, except me. Yes. But anyway, so anyway, open up your heart and welcome Phil, and we will see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.
Welcome everyone here and everyone watching online and our campuses in Point and uh, Appleton. I had to think, that was a really far one there, Appleton. That should have been the easy one. Sorry. So how's everyone doing? Good, lovely, yeah. You guys are here, we're almost done with January, huh? New year, anyone do a new year, new you kind of thing? Anyone start any new uh, resolutions? Be honest, anyone start a diet around the new year? Yes, thank you. So you get some honest people in the second service. I didn't believe those people in the first service. They all stared at me like, no. But anyone, uh, any like new gym memberships get signed up here? No, that's just me? Okay. That one is just me, apparently. Uh, yeah, I did. I, I signed up uh, actually a little bit uh, after Thanksgiving. And uh, I've known for a, a few years now, my blood pressure has kind of been, I'm getting to that age where it's starting to creep up a little bit and, you know, got the dad bod thing going on. And <laughs> so I've, I've wanted to do something. So uh, I've actually gotten gym memberships before and they did not work because um, apparently you're supposed to actually go in there and then lift the things that are inside of there, use the machinery. Uh, and I kind of didn't get that part. I had the gym membership though, so I was almost there. <laughs> so this time, and I, and I knew, I knew when I went and signed up this time that if I do not have some accountability, I am never gonna show up again. So I got a trainer this time. Yeah. Anyone ever work with a trainer? Yeah, where they train you? Yeah, train in air quotes there because it could also be replaced with like torture. Uh, <laughs> Abuse uh, is another one. I like to tell my trainer how he's, I'm here to let you beat me up again today. Uh, and it's tough, it's, it's funny, you know, they, my trainer knows that unless he pushes me past my comfort zone, I'm not gonna grow, right? So he's gotta push me. My body doesn't understand that. Uh, my body is convinced he's trying to extract some kind of information from me. So it's, I'm like, I'm sitting there in the middle of it, I'll tell you whatever you want, just make it stop. <laughs> but, you know, but you gotta push through those things and, um, you know, he's helping me to grow, you know, so he's got his little chart too where he sees, you know, uh, uh, how much I'm lifting and what my stamina was and how well I did and how far, how much I was able to do till I had to tap out and say, hold on, I'm about to puke all over the floor here. Um, and he's keeping track of those because he wants to see progress, right? He's looking for progress. If I go and, you know, three months later, I'm still, can only do as much as I did when I went in there, uh, clearly we weren't pushing me hard enough. And, um, you know, because while I had been real good at getting the gym memberships before, I needed something a little bit more this time. <laughs> I needed that push. And the truth is, unless we do the work, we don't reap the, reap the benefits, right? And this is like a lesson for life. And we all struggle with this in some area where we want that thing. We want the benefit of something, but we don't want to do the work and the dedication required to achieve it. And I know I had this problem. But the Bible is good at reminding us of these things. Probably one of my, my favorite books in the Bible is Proverbs. It's uh, written by King Solomon, and it's amazing. So it's written some 4,000 years ago, and it's these little wisdom things, and man, if they do not apply exactly the same today. You know, apparently there are not that many new problems. <laughs> you think there are, right? <laughs> For example, Proverbs 13, 4, I love this one. I'm gonna read out of the New Living Translation because I like the way they say this here. But Proverbs 13, 4 says this. It says, lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. There's a lot of people think that, well, clearly someone wrote that for the millennials. Yeah. 
Yeah, just millennials like four of them ago, okay? This is not a new problem, uh, and it is very, very true. Lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. And that is true in just our regular, normal lives and, you know, in our job and our, you know, for me and my health, unless I go and lift the heavy things, it's not gonna do any good, Phil. Um, And this is also very true in our spiritual lives. That unless we work hard, we are not gonna reap the benefits. We all want the benefits. We want the benefits of being spiritually mature, but we just don't want any of the hard work or the discipline required to become spiritually mature. You know, and that's the point that I wanna make this morning. This is what I wanna talk about, how to, how we grow in our spiritual maturity and what does that look like and what are some things that we can do, you know, kinda how my trainer has the little markers. Sometimes I call him my personal sadist instead of my personal trainer. (laughs) Just kidding, Casey, if you're watching this at all, I love you, you're wonderful, thank you. I'll see you tomorrow morning. (laughs) If he is hearing this, he's gonna beat the tar out of me. (laughs) Um, But, I don't remember what I was saying anymore. Anyway, but, but we, we go through it. One of the things I want to hit this morning is looking at how do we become spiritually uh, mature and what are those things that we have to look at. Um, you know, because one, one of the things that obviously you guys have achieved is you've come to church. That's step one, very good. Um, but if you just come to church but you don't get in and, and grow from that, that's kind of like me just getting a gym membership and then six months later wondering how somehow I gained 10 pounds because uh, you actually have to apply this stuff. This stuff really works. So I want to encourage you guys in that today, okay? And by the way, if, you're, if you want to know how to grow in this as well, look, look at the things we do. We actually have a program called Growth Track. It's in the name, in case you're wondering what it's all about. You can get plugged into that thing. It happens, it's every Sunday still, right? What, which one are we on today? One. Four. I have someone say one, someone say four. Four, all right. That's what I thought we'd be on four because it's at the end of the month. Okay, so we're on track four, but you can jump in at any point and just jump in and we will help you figure out how to start moving forward with this. But I wanna give you some ideas and some clues to help you understand what growing spiritually looks like, what some of these things um, that you can hopefully achieve. You know, like I said, kind of how my trainer keeps track of things um, to see, oh, he can do this now, he can do that now. Um, These should be like little kind of markers you can look at and see, okay, how am I doing in my spiritual growth? So first off, what you need to understand, number one thing you need to understand to grow spiritually is you need to understand you need Jesus. Number one, we cannot move forward without a fundamental understanding that we need Jesus in our lives. And this should be a foundational thing for all of us. You know, Hebrews 6, 1, it says this, it says, Uh, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taking forward to maturity. Here he's writing to Christians, saying, hey, I wanna help you mature. And he's sort of been talking about that. And and what he's saying is we need to move beyond the elementary teachings, but you have to at least have the elementary teachings to move on from, right? So the elementary teachings, uh, number one, and they're about Christ. It's about not, uh, uh, he he says again, he doesn't wanna lay again the foundation, and the foundation is of repentance from the acts that lead to death and faith in God. It's repentance and the faith in God, all brought together through Jesus. Understand? And these are the foundational things we need to understand, that we need Jesus. We need to fully understand that we need to repent of our sins and put our faith in God. Now, you might be here this morning, and you know what? That's right where you are right now. You are trying to figure out step one. 
You're wrestling with this idea that God loved you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins. And that if you would just confess your sins, he will be faithful to forgive and you would have a new life. But this sometimes can be a tough one for people because you might say, yeah, but I, you don't know what I did and all the things I went through. And God's counting all those things. Sometimes, some people, it's like we feel like we need to go through a bit of penance almost before we can even come and ask for repentance. Anyone ever be like, I've felt like that before. Is that me? <laughs> really? Is it my cord coming loose again? We've had this problem once before. I'm not sure which one I'm twisting. I'm just twisting things back here. If I don't move, you won't have a problem. <laughs> Hello, everyone. And well, just a lot of arm movements, maybe, over here. Just like, don't move my neck. We'll see if that happens again. Sorry. Um, anyway. <laughs> interrupting myself. Uh, there are times that we have a difficult time understanding that all we need to do is just go to him, uh, go, to, go to Jesus and ask for forgiveness. Um, and, and what I love is how it, it, it'll use, you know, in the Bible it talks about how God is our father. It talks about how we are his children. And I think that's such a great analogy because it helps us, to, I think, to understand even simple fundamental things like this about just forgiveness. You know, because as we as parents, you know, you think about the things that you look at in your kids, you know, like when your kids are just getting going, um, getting going, I don't know if that's a term, as they're growing up, like they're getting going, come on. But you know, when they start going through their little, their little milestones in life, right, you got them, these little babies where they don't really do anything. Um, there's not much for dad to do at that stage, right? We just kind of sit around and wait till they do something. Um, unless they take a bottle then we can help there, but like only one out of my four did take a bottle, so my wife still reminds me of that. All those nights that she stayed up late. Bless you, and it wasn't you, Parker. You weren't the one that took the bottle. What's up, dude? Tried to help, anyway. <laughs> so they start up, you know, and then they, they, they move into crawling, and you wanna see that they're crawling, and right, and you get your phones out, and recording everything, or any of you guys old enough to remember when your parents had that giant brick that they put on their shoulders, right, and following you around, like looked like there were news cameras following you around. And then, you know, when they, when they walk, and when they take their first steps, and man, it's great, because now it's so easy to capture, because we all have these, you know, video cameras on us, and you watch them, and you watch their walking, and once they walk, I mean, you're sharing that with everyone, aren't you? You're sending that to your friends, you're sending that to your family, you're posting on every possible social media thing in case the major networks want to pick it up for news that day. I mean, you want everyone to know, look it, they're walking, they're walking. What you don't do is you don't sit there and post every time that kid falls. Fall. Post number 647. Still doesn't have it. <laughs> when will he ever get it? No, we don't remember those. We forget about those. We remember the one time. We remember the success. And just as God is our father for us, he's not sitting there thinking about the eight million times you messed up. He's looking for that one time, that one time. You ask for forgiveness, yes. Let's do this, okay, let's move forward now. That's what he wants to do. And we need to understand that. Before we can move on, before we can grow in our faith, we need to number, understand that number one, we need Jesus. Because you have to remember, Jesus is as it says in 1 John 2, 1, it says he is an advocate. It says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have someone on our side. So it's not all just about you. If it was all about you, yeah, good luck. But it's not. That's why we understand, oh yeah, we need Jesus. We simply need to be honest and say, Jesus, I need your help. 
I cannot do this on my own. And that is step one on your journey of growing in faith. And the next step two, and these aren't like biblical steps, these are the Phil Gunger, kind of giving you some steps here in case you're wondering, where are these steps in the Bible? <laughs> you can read them. But step two, I think the next thing you'll see is what I'm calling obedience, being obedient. In 1 John 2, verses three and four, it says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, and the him is God, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person. What it's saying here is you want to know him, you want to grow in that, it'll be evident because you're being obedient. You need to start being obedient. I mean, will we be obedient all the time? What if we mess up? No, if you mess up, it's not if you mess up, it's when you mess up, we all mess up. When you mess up, that's when you go back and you see point number one. We need Jesus. But we have to get up from that and we have to move forward in obedience. Now you have to ask yourself, am I being obedient to God's commands or am I still acting like the little kids who don't want to do anything? <laughs> and you have any kids like that? You ask them to do something, clean their room. But why? But why? But I don't want to. As though I ask them, do you want to clean your room? Because then you can say, well, no, I don't want to. Oh, okay. I didn't ask. I said, I need you to clean your room, but I don't want to. It's like I need to open up a ledger. Okay, I'm making note of this here, just so that we have it in record. He did not want to clean his room, but do it anyway. <laughs> or any of you have those kids who when you ask them to do something, they just start quoting biblical names at you? You say, what are you talking about? You know what I'm talking about. You know, you ask them, hey, can, can you do such and such? And they go, Noah. <laughs> Noah. Noah, I'm not asking you to build an ark, son. I am asking you just to clean your room. <laughs> Noah. See, some of my kids, they have a, a good friend of theirs named Noah. And I'm like, Noah, you want me to call Noah? Your buddy Noah? No. I think get more mad at them. I shouldn't torture them like that. Lord, please forgive me. <laughs> but you know, it's the Noah. It's just, it's just no, and then they add the little whine of the uh at the end, just to let me know just how desperately they don't want to do it. But again, they need to grow past that, right? I've got a 14-year-old here. He has grown past that. Thank you, son, for that. <laughs> if he's still, you know, still dealing with the same problems, he'll have his own set of new problems now as he becomes a teenager, Lord help me. But as, uh, as they grow, they need to see growth in that thing. There needs to be growth in that. They need to start practicing what we call instant obedience. And you get to that point where, hey, can you do such and such? And they go, Yes, and they do it. They give a little sigh to let me know that I still don't want to, but yes, I'll do it. I'll take that. That's okay. But that instant obedience, and we need to say, are we, is, are we doing that? Are, when we come and we, we sit in service and we start learning about God's word and what it is he wants us to do, are we applying that to our lives? Are we saying, okay, I will be obedient? It'll be tough, it'll be difficult, but that's where we want, need to get to. That's a sign of spiritual growth. You know, can't just be the whiny little kids anymore, driving their parents crazy. You know, that's one of the reasons actually we don't let parents into the baptismals when their kids are being baptized in case we get a parent in there who's really frustrated with their kid, afraid that they might leave them under a little bit too long. No, it's gotta stick, it's gotta stick. I'm kidding, we don't do that. Well, we don't let parents in there, that's not the reason why. 
that you could imagine. Some of you are like, no, no, that makes sense. Leave them under there. I want to make sure it really stuck. So anyway, <laughs> that didn't help any of you. Anyway, that's just out there. <laughs> a sign of spiritual growth and maturity is when we can start responding immediately in obedience. All right? That's what we need to do. So first we need to realize we need Jesus. And then next we need to become obedient. And then the last thing I wanna hit here, and again, like I said, this is not an exhaustive list, but the, the next thing that I think you really start to see in a person who's growing in their faith, growing in their spiritual maturity, is this. It's when they understand that we need to love one another. Right, Matthew 22, 37 through 40, uh, Jesus is speaking here, and one of the teachers asked him, you know, what is the greatest commandment? He asked Jesus, and Jesus replies with this. He says, here's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And when you're loving God, that's when you know obedient, right? The next, the second is like it. He says, it is love your neighbor as yourself. And all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so see, at some point we need to, for us it needs to change from what God is doing in you and change into what God is doing through you. You know, in Leviticus, uh, got all these little commands and it's got one in there talking about um, forgiveness and how to let things go. Because it's very difficult to love other people if you can't stand them. <laughs> it is. Or if they've done something to drive you crazy, right? It's difficult. Well, I can love the people that are easy to love, but those people are tough. So a real sign of spiritual maturity is when you can get past that. You know, yeah, you should be loving everyone around you, absolutely. You know, hopefully you're, you know, we encourage you guys to get involved in, you know, things around the church that's a way to help love on people. You know, the greeters there and the ushers and stuff, they're doing this thing. They just want to love on people. How do I connect with people? Again, if you want to know how do I get connected, go to Growth Track. I'm really pitching that good today, all right. Uh, but the thing you have to see, and a good marker for you, is to figure out how do I respond when people drive me crazy and bring offenses along my way. And this is what it says in Leviticus 19. It says it real simple. It says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. And that can be difficult to do. In other words, do not maintain resentment or anger against someone for past offenses because a sign of spiritual maturity is the ability to forgive. In my homie King Solomon, as we talked about, I like him, out of Proverbs, he says this, one of my favorite verses. It's Proverbs 19.11. It says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. I love that. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. You know, glory, it's described in the dictionary as something that is a source of honor, fame, or admiration, a distinguished ornament or an object of pride. See, when you grow in your faith and you get to the point where you can forgive offenses, it's like he's saying you should be honored. When someone drives you crazy and you forgive, it's like people should be like, well, this, this guy should be famous. Say, why is that? Because it's hard. It's hard when people do something and they just, offenses and they just, you know, sometimes people just like poking you with a stick constantly. It's hard to let that stuff go. That's why it says it is to one's glory to overlook 
an offense. And I love even that word, that description of overlook. It's like you didn't even see it. You didn't even notice it. It's like it's not there. You're saying, so, so what, what you're saying, Phil, is I get to a point in maturity where like I, literally people don't drive me crazy anymore? I, I don't think so. I mean, it, it, you can maybe uh, not be offended by as much stuff, but no, what the glory is, is that when the offense comes, you're choosing to overlook it. You'll still think about the offense. You might still feel that offense. It might still be very real for you, but you're making a decision, uh-uh. I'm going to pretend as though I didn't see it and I'm gonna forgive. And when you can get to that point, that's when you can really start loving people on a whole nother level. And it is difficult to do. This is why he uses the word glory to overlook the offense. And, you know, kind of how I talked about before, you know, that I, I was honest with myself and realized I needed to get a trainer to actually uh, lift the weights because in my mind, I know I have an appointment and I'm paying that guy a bunch of money to do this. So I'm more likely to go and not skip. Sometimes in our spiritual lives, we need people to help us. Actually, a lot of times I feel like we need people to help us. It is difficult to grow spiritually when you're all just by yourself and you're trying to figure everything out on yourself and you're thinking, well, I don't want to share this with anyone else. I don't want to share this with anyone else. Well, it's tough to do. It's like you kind of need to get over that a little bit and realize, oh, wait, I need someone to help me. You know, this whole love one another, we need to be doing this. When someone's there and they can help you through your difficult times, when they can pray with you, you know, and it even can be kind of cathartic when you hear that someone else is having the same problem you are. Oh, seriously, it's not just me? Okay, I guess I'm not quite as messed up as I thought. Okay, how do we work through this together? And you can figure it out and you get together and you can study the scripture and you can encourage each other. If one of you falls down, you can help pick them back up. Right, but you have to make that first step. You have to decide, okay, I'm gonna get plugged in. Okay, I wanna move on to the next step. Because no one's gonna do it for you. It's not like if you're just waiting for a feeling, it's not gonna happen. In the same way, I just was hoping that someday I would wake up and be like, I wanna run five miles today. I wake up, nope, I don't feel that way today. <laughs> I guess it's not my time, snooze. No, we have to actually make the decision to get up and to do something. And it's oftentimes easier when you can get plugged in and have people help you. So I'll end with this verse. It says in Ephesians 4.32, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So love others, be compassionate, absolutely, because Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and God forgave you, which all comes back to point number one. We need Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you would say, you know what, Phil, that is where I'm at. <laughs> I need to start with step number one. I need Jesus. I've never made that decision in my life, I've never fully surrendered my life to him and really taken that first step. Then what I'd like to do is I'm gonna lead everyone in a prayer. And if you would just say this prayer with us and you really believe this in your heart, saying, yes, Jesus, I wanna follow you, that that's all it takes. Like I said, your father in God is waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting for that first step. He said, but I messed up, I messed up. Oh, he's not recording that. He's hitting delete. He wants to see that first step. He wants to see you walk victoriously. Amen? If you would bow your heads. 
Everyone just repeat this after me. Say this. Say, Heavenly Father, I surrender my life to you. I freely choose Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and help me to learn your ways. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you.